I am unashamed. What about you? So we're back on Unashamed. Uh, Zach is here from North Carolina, I see. Welcome, Zach. It's always good to have you on. I enjoyed being with y'all last week. Yeah, but mostly, mo- mostly. It was it was fun, most of it. Yeah, that's right. We had uh, a good time with Shane and Shane. Um, I'm at the Southern Lair. Dad is back. Uh, another procedure. Dad, how, how are you feeling today? Unashamed Nation is uh, always concerned about you. Well... Two little points. Well, hold on now, Phil. This mic only works. There we go. Yeah, there we go. All a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. A faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. And I'm in on this particular thing through Jesus and my allegiance to him, his death for me, his burial and resurrection. He brought his word to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Savior. Therefore, I would just like to tell the audience along with the group I spoke to yesterday, when I die, don't cry. Bill has an announcement. Dance, sing, but don't cry when I die. When I die, you say, he made it because I watched him as he walked through the years, hurt back or no back. You just got to get it up. So is this what came to your mind when you were awakened? If someone asked. That's Titus 1 you read. I had to look it up. You read Titus 1, 1 through 3. So how long did it seem like you were under... So they they roll you back, and then what they what they give you to put you out They're a being shot? Being rolled to wherever they're going to do the, the the process, and on the way there, I said I remembered this last time they did this because I've had two in the last month. So on this one, I closed my eyes. One thousand one, I opened my eyes and I looked around and I said, "What happened? What happened?" They said. You're good to go. Within five minutes, I had stepped off the table. The nurses stepped out of the way. They had a curtain. They pulled it. I put my britches on by myself, put my britches on. Back a little backache here. I just put my britches on, and out the door I went. So in the grand scheme of things. But then you thought to yourself, if I die, don't cry. Don't cry. It's kind of a Selah moment for you Psalms <laughs> lovers. Uh, that <laughs> came from that field. So I mean, you, he made it. Dude. He made it. <laughs> so this is faithful to Jesus. Let's all squall over it. Don't do that. Yeah. So celebrate, celebrate. Yeah. So so I I send the text out at the right after the surgery to Dan, aka the Butler, uh, or as Phil calls him, the Eunuch, and. Uh, I said, how's Phil? This is the response I get after the surgery. You guys want me to share it with you? Sure. I think I got this, this same text. You got text. the same text. No, I, look, little... you, can, you can read this. This is, this is what married people do, so I don't know what the problem is there. This is biblical. You're being biblical in this moment. So, look, well, we'll have a disclaimer. If you're easily offended, just cover your ears for the next 30 seconds. Okay. I'm just going to read it. This is from Dan. Uh, uh, Phil and Burl back from surgery. He walked in like it never even happened. Completely fine. Said he feels really good. Then he turned to Kay and said, Stubby, I hadn't eaten all day. Why don't you line up some grub here? Then proceeded to the living room to hug her and said, get ready for a frisky night all night long, honey. That was the the text we got. So I feel it sounded like you were feeling pretty good after you. After the surgery. I got that same text, and then I just took everyone off but Dan, and I said, I recommend popcorn only. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I said. Friskiness, friskiness has a lot of trails that you might follow. <laughs> so, so Phil had a different 
he just meant he feels good, and they were probably going to. What did y'all do that night? Well, I don't want to go into that because you're too young, my son. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Stay the course. You'll find out. All right. Stay the course. Yeah. I think there's a. I think there's a medical term for this. It's called anesthesia hangover. Yeah. Uh, That's the always first. remember. It ain't over until, until it's, it's over. over. Yeah. So don't forget that. Yeah. That's the first time I've been called young in probably twelve years. Yeah. So I got that going for well, What do you think? How well, are you that now? got that See? got awkward. They got awkward. Where are we where are we at? Where are we at? The Lord said be fruitful and multiply, so it is biblical. It is biblical. And to be well, celebrated. I know I know that dad is doing better when the frisky jokes are back. So yep. dad, we're glad you're feeling better. Uh and I do appreciate Unashamed Nation and all the prayers you guys have uh, put up on dad's behalf. And uh so I'm glad he's doing better and back into the duck blind. That that makes us all happy. Yeah, happy, he actually happy, hunted so. this morning with no no problems, huh? People came from a long way off to be baptized, and I said, at this current moment, uh, I just want to let you know we were we're thrilled, and so is God that you're obeying the gospel this morning. We're glad you're here. I, I said I just got had surgery three days ago on my back, so. I'm going to let old Burley over there. See that old big big guy right there? I said, he's the one to do the baptizing today. But uh, I said, I baptized him about 30 years ago. So uh, Burl did the thing and walking over to the to the baptismal pool. So And some more did anyway. Yeah, some I, woman told me her and her daughter would come for, to be born again. So you can read that. It's a good day. You can read that first Corinthians one seventeen when they say that Christ didn't send me to baptize but to preach the gospel. I mean you're preaching the gospel. Yeah. Not with That's words it. of human wisdom lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its That's power. It. But you know, I want to give a shout out to Burley because I mean not only is Burley the, the baptizer, but Burley is also a nurse and uh he basically took dad in and uh, took care of him you know, yeah. around everything that happened. So we appreciate Burley in our operation because it no, takes and, a little bit of a. And I will say this: in our duck hunting world, he is he's an excellent helper. Yep. Yeah. Which is from our crew, I've noticed the older we've got, the the less excellent helpers that we have around. <laughs> I've noticed so, that I've noticed this that after hunting with y'all last week, I, I noticed that the the crew is, in, is there's a lot more medical professionals on the crew than there was oh, yeah. ten years ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got a nurse practitioner, you got a nurse. I mean, I, 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 I'm like, I'm, I'm oh, at any here. moment. Oh, look, we've had oxygen oxygen machines in the blind, and I'm not sure that some of them are not carrying the paddles and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we're a long way. <laughs> I mean, our Uncle Si actually, you know, a few years ago had a heart attack in the duck blind. And I was like, well, Si, right. if you're having a heart attack, we might already get you to the ER. And he's like, no, nah, I'll do it after the hunt because we were shooting ducks. And yeah. uh, and so literally he waited and they he they ran him to the to the ER after the hunt and they immediately opened up his chest and had heart surgery on it. Uh, there's been few stories, a few stories told that when someone comes out from under being put to sleep and they're not aware that Burley is a nurse, but yeah. you, if you're just coming out of being put to sleep and the first thing you see is Burley Dane Jennings I could see how some say they screamed with fear. Yeah. You would think. <laughs> because he's one rough-looking nurse, I tell you that. You need to insert. His whiskers are that long, and I'm like, bro. For you that are watching, we'll insert a picture, because I'm going to tell you. It's his, he looks he's, like he's an scared. angry, he's an angry Santa Claus. He looks angry, but he's not. He has a real good heart, but he looks like trouble. Where is that? There's the new movie about... Um, Silent Night, or I, I, I forgot the, the name of it, but it's basically Santa goes on a just a he's like a vigilante type thing. I hadn't watched it yet, but uh, it's pretty uh, violent I'll, from what I hear. I wonder who came up what, with that. I, <laughs> I were here talking about this. I want our audience to know that if you're 45, 50 years old, 60, and you've never married, you shouldn't feel you shouldn't feel uh, 
out of place. If you don't want to marry, you don't have to marry someone. I mean, eunuchs are, are some are born that way, and some are made that way by men, castration. And the third kind is like the Apostle Paul. He was a eunuch because of the kingdom. And, you know, with a woman and children, and your wife and your children, it would just be more laborious. So he decided just not to, not to marry. He, he, he writes, he speaks on that in the Corinthian letters. Well, in Matthew 19, 12. Matthew 19. Yeah. yeah. Matthew 19, 12, you quote. So it's, if so. you think there's something wrong with somebody, if they don't marry, there's nothing wrong with them. I mean, I always laughingly say to Dan, I said, well, Dan, one thing's for sure. It's a lot cheaper. <laughs> Another seal of moment, Phil. This is uh this is a record. <laughs> You're literally leaving us speechless. So that if you were not married, would 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 it be cheaper to be single? That's just a question for it's you. It's just something I'd never thought about. I, I just finances never mull it over. Mull it over. Finances never something. was a consideration upon my marriage. My wife had zero dollars when we got married, and I had zero dollars, and we said, we're going to live on love. And guess what? It worked out. It is. Still living. Yeah. Well, I got to watch, well, I uh, I, I got to watch a, a good love story last night. We uh, This weekend, we... We premiered the. We got the rough cut of the film in, and so you guys got to see a little clip of it. But I, we, I had focus groups last night and on Friday night, and we watched the rough cut just to get some notes before we cut it down. But <clears throat> I'm telling you, it was, man. You, you talk about powerful. You get to the end of this movie, and uh, so you like it. Now. What movie? What movie are you talking about, Zach? I'm oh, not yeah. familiar with. Have the, I not told what's you guys? The name? You, it's called The Blind. If you want to know more about it, you can Is go to theblindmovie.com. Is it Go too ahead, late Jace. to change? Is it too late to change the name? No, it's not <laughs> yeah. too late. I mean, it I think a lot late, of people are know. like, "What the blind?" Well, maybe it's a I double have to watch entendre. It. It's a double on because you you can you in a hold blind. Hang on, can you use that in a <laughs> sentence? Here we go. Double we go. entendre. <laughs> I yeah. would never <laughs> say that for any reason. <laughs> well, I, I probably All right, go, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Can you, well, I did, well, anyways, can you spell the, the, that? No, I cannot spell it off the top of my head. So I think it's E-N-T-R-E-N-D-A. I'm trying to. E-N-T-T-R-E-N-D-A. Yeah, give us a, give us a, what does Google say? What's the definition? I must have misspelt it because it said no results. <laughs> well, I may have just made up a word. It may end in E, Jay. D- All right, so you I'm put double, to... and then what's next? E-N-T-R-E-D-E. D-E. Entrende. Oh, I see it. Entrende. What a word, man. What does the double entrende mean? It's a phrase with a dual meaning. One of the meanings of a double entendre is usually risque. I guess usually, U- usually. In this case, yeah. it's the it's the blind, the physical blind, and then it's the the spiritual blind. Because Phil was, you know, the old him. I was blind, but now I see. So yeah, I mean it's, it's powerful. That seems, I mean, actually, that it's seems, a triple on trying to. What's the what's the be, third one? Well, third one is the duck blind. Because, yeah, so I'm saying the duck blind, and then what do you think yeah. I was talking about? No, I thought you meant phys. Okay, I got you. I yeah, because like, they're in the duck blind a lot, and uh, but he's telling a story, which is kind of like he was blind, and how how did he come come to faith? And uh, um, yeah, I mean it's like a it, it it's pretty powerful. Um, well, you need to explain that every time that the title is there. You need to put that. Put double on that, I would think, you know, what that could be a lot of things. No, the the blind, the actual name. Yeah, but, but sometimes sometimes a little something intriguing is good for a movie. I mean, if you just come out with, you know, Phil and Kay, that's just, you know, you need something that people say, hmm. Yeah. Blind. Hang okay. on, hang on, let's take a break. All right, well, I'd like to sit. So we could have had a good focus group. But maybe you. So, try. what did your focus I, groups think, Zach? Can you yeah, comment on that? I think or the reason you, Zach didn't let us all watch it 
he wanted to test it out on a focus group because he knows we would tell him exactly what we thought. <laughs> Good, a, bad, well, the, ugly. The, the small, the, well, the small clip that I showed you guys at the and and, and by the way, the family loved the, the clip I showed. But at the end of it, Corey came up to us. I was so nervous. I was like, "Oh, I was too." I any like I'm I'm yeah. That, that's when you get really nervous is when you show it in front of the family. So, um. But I, I think you guys are going to be pleased with it. I, but the, the the consensus, what I thought the best compliment was, was that people said it felt real, um, particularly feel coming that. to Christ. Yeah. It just they said it just feels um, like it's it doesn't feel preachy, and I and that's really we don't want to. I mean, this film is not meant to preach at anybody. It's really just meant to share. What a happened? testimony of a family, yeah. you know, and what yeah. happened, and and you can draw your own conclusions from that. I mean, we're not. You know, Charles Spurgeon said the gospel is like a caged lion that it doesn't need to be defended. It just needs to be unleashed. And so we're not trying to, like, make a case for anything. We're just saying, here's what happened. You know, uh, you you can determine it for yourself. Um, I, I, I think our audience, uh, particularly the people that are supporting us here in this podcast, are going to really enjoy it and will be great ambassadors for what we're doing. So, again, shameless plug, and you guys can make fun of me, but we need all the help we can get. TheBlindMovie.com. Go check it out and put your email in. We're going to start sending out emails. We're going to do some like Zoom meetings where you guys can hear from some of the family members. And we're going to talk about the story there and then kind of have some. Um, the plan is, is to get that base of people together that's going to. We, you got to have ambassadors with this kind of film just because it's probably not going to be supported by you know mainstream media. So it's like we got to have like, grassroots efforts. So. Um, yeah, if you go to that website, once once we get rolling, we'd love to have anybody that's a part of this podcast on our team. So, yeah, it was great, though. So that was my weekend. Well, good work, Zach. You're a big part of our organization, so we appreciate all you're doing. So we, uh, <clears throat> I felt like we need to kind of close out the Book of Mark today. Uh, we last podcast, uh, I, I guess before Shane and Shane, we had a um, – we talked about Matthew 16 and the resurrection. And there's a section that we didn't quite get to. Um, uh, at the end of the book. And uh, we did, I think Jace mentioned that um, in most of your version, at least in the NIV, it has a little like disclaimer at the beginning of it, it says most reliable early manuscripts and other ancient witnesses do not have so this, this is, section which is this is in between eight verses eight and nine right and so then you get to nine so what and i'll just we'll talk a little bit about that because uh, sometimes it makes people nervous but it's uh most scholars think that this was probably added uh, by some of the early church people from the luke and also matthew accounts just to sort of tie the book off uh, but they don't know for sure. It's just that you don't find it as much in the the more the further you go back, you don't find this section. Even though all of this is supported by what you read in Matthew and Luke, so who knows? It's in. But I did find it interesting, Jace. It is in most versions, anyway. Well, you know, so it's, it's not it's like obviously written differently than the rest of the book. It, right. it seems weird that you would end the book. Well, the letter in verse eight, because this is so they they go to the tomb, you know, the women are at the tomb and verse six says, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus. This is the angel talking that Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, which we didn't talk about, but we will. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. It just seems like that would be a weird place to end it. (laughs) So, because most ancient manuscripts did not have this this next section. And maybe y'all can talk about how how all that worked. But basically, it's a, a compilation of other verses here and i think you can read everything that is written here in the other gospels except this this when he depicts the signs that will accompany those who are out there preaching the gospel there's a couple of those signs that they were 
would be able to do that is not found anywhere else in the Bible. So I think that's where the controversy comes up. So what do you want to well, do? That's you you want to read it and uh, we'll talk yeah. through it? Yeah, let's do that. So uh, in verse 9, it says, when Jesus rose, so it almost seems like, it's, again, it's going back. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. Verse 12. Afterward, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. That's Luke 23. Yeah. And most the of these references are from Luke. He's just Correct. he's making a synopsis of. Yeah. Um, these returned and reported to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, verse 14, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. So that's kind of referencing when he just comes through the door. And then 15, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. So that's kind of the Matthew 28 uh, close. Um, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And by the way, all those things we read about in Acts. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. That's the one Jesus was talking about that we don't find anywhere else. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. Which kind of answers the part about the signs. I mean, and you can read Hebrews 2 is a good, you know, 1 through 4. It talks about the salvation being confirmed by miracles, signs, and wonders. So Jesus gave them that ability to do this and but look there's a lot of religious groups i believe out there who took this about handling deadly snakes and drinking deadly poison to an extreme that missed the target on being focused on the lord's business let me just say it say it that way so (laughs) i mean i shared a story one time that uh, on the podcast because it's kind of a famous story else uh, remembers this because he was involved with the couple I was involved in. Yeah, I was there. And I'll just to give you the quick recap of it. So there was a guy who could not have been living any more vicious and and uh, in rebellion Worldly. to God and family and and just was living a horrible life. And uh, his wife had. Uh, she came to the Lord, and I think he had two, but yeah, it, yeah, he had two, but he st- he wasn't living. You know, she changed her life and followed Jesus, and he he was having trouble with the old man, keeping him dead. And so, uh, what happened was though, the church where he was going to that he hadn't been in years the pastor there didn't like him going to a different church or whatever. So he wanted to have a debate with the person who shared Jesus with this fella, which was me. And I was like, well, sure. I mean, I was young. And so we get to their house and some of our other new disciples was, or, you know, we, we were there all gathered up and, uh, what bothered me about it was the guy had been away from the Lord for years and the, and the pastor hadn't reached out towards him. But when he comes to the Lord, he then is like telling him he's going to the wrong church and all that. All of a sudden he's interested in his life. So it came down to this because the reason he said he shouldn't run with us is because we didn't do we didn't do these signs in our assemblies. Well, when he said that, I said, well, I can clear this up right now. If you can do one of these things, well, we'll all go to church with you. <laughs> Which I, 
<laughs> so I read them. <clears throat> hang, on, hang on, Jay. Hang on. Let's take a break. So I read them. And then I said, well, look, I'll tell you what. Since we have this young Christian here who's struggling, well, well let's let him pick one. Well, he picked the drinking deadly poison. And so that guy said, well, I can sure do it. And I thought, are we really fixed to go down this road? And uh, so the, the brother in question, the new brother, said, well, I, I mean, battery acid will do the same thing. I can go out there and pour some up for you. And I said, well, I tell you what, if you do that, someone better have their their hand on 911. <laughs> and so... We kind of, we, it kept escalating and we got to actually having the liquid poured into a glass. I was like, we fixed to see something here and it, it can't be good. And so right before we got there, the pastor declared, or the pastor in quotation marks, said, nope, I can't do it because there's too much unbelief in this, in this room. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how it went. And he left. But I just thought, you know, I mean, it was kind of scary and it was kind of sad and we kind of laughed now. But in the moment, I just thought the bottom line is if, if a guy is living like the devil and you're not contacting him, it's what bothered me. And then he all of a sudden someone reaches out towards him and shares Jesus with him. I mean, you need to support that instead of attacking a different church because they don't have the same view as you in things that have nothing to do with this guy's life. And uh, that was the lesson for me there. I mean, it's just like what, what he says in this last verse. These things accompanied, they were signs to validate their message. Well, what was their, their message? He said, go into the world and preach the good news to all creation. Well, let's talk about what the good news is. What would y'all say? What is the charge that he was telling them to do? Tell them who Jesus oh, is. Tell them who Jesus That is the good news. He came in flesh, died on a cross, buried in a tomb, raised from the dead. And, then, and we've talked about this before, the purpose of this, any of the signs. And, and again, every one of these, except <clears throat> I don't remember, there's no poison in the book of Acts, but every other sign that's mentioned here, I can take you to some place in Acts where it happened. Yep. But it, the signs, just like it was in the days of Jesus, wasn't the point. You remember Jesus kept telling them over and over and over. You keep asking for a sign. You keep asking for a sign. He said, and you're missing me while you're looking for the sign. So it's the point we've been making consistently through all the Gospels and the book of Acts. The signs, their only usefulness was to point people to Jesus. So if you miss that, which was what happened that night, Jay, mm. this guy missed Jesus by being hung up on the signs. I mean, what we should have been doing is saying, where's Jesus in all this? Yeah, and we've talked about this a lot on the podcast, that uh, how often do we take the things of God and elevate them over the God of the things. And, you know, these signs are, these are, these are pointers toward the person of Christ who, and, and even that, I mean, the person of Christ, we got to remember this is the person of Christ is the incarnation of the God who is so far above us that we can never touch him. You know, we can never get to him. We can never climb the mountain and get to the top. Like he's so, he's just so far above us. And it's that God who, who came to us and literally allowed us to get our hands on him and, and we murdered him and, and his name is Jesus. So when we think about the good news, the good news, you know, I asked this in, in a sermon that I preached a couple of weeks ago. Um, I said, the good news about what? And the answer is the good news about everything. And, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, we even take the gospel itself and we elevate that as, as, as if it's a story that we're, you know, this, like the story didn't save anybody. It's the person in the story that saves you. And the story is just what happened. It's what he did. It's the gospel of Christ. You know, it's, it's a living hope. It's something that's, you're not just saved from sin. You're saved to uh, dwell in the presence of, of Christ himself. And I, I think we miss that 
a lot in church. And I think that's why a lot of times when we preach the gospel, it kind of falls flat because what we're essentially saying is it's a, it's just, it's just the gospel of death. It's just getting saved from your sin, but we're not talking about what you're saved to and you're saved to a person. Um, And I think that's, what's incredible. That's, that's the incredible news is that, you know, God is the gospel. And, um, and I've just been really honing in on that the last several years about not allowing myself to get taken by this. And I think if you do, you you wind up with all forms of legalism, which is your buddy, unfortunately, you know, was was being recruited back into. You know, it's just another yeah. form of legalism. You know. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you get uh, you put the signs out of order, I mean, and that's what you pursue. Because I, I know why they get it, because it says whoever, you know, believes and is baptized based, based on you preaching the good news, you know, will be saved. But whoever doesn't believe will be condemned. And it says these signs will accompany those who believe. You know, and then he so people, modern day people are thinking, well, we got to have those signs because that's what this says. But you got to remember when this was written to these guys and they were eyewitnesses to the resurrected Lord. And First Corinthians nine one seems to imply that that was a prerequisite for be for becoming an, an apostle, and those apostles had these special skills from the Lord directly that was confirming the message. They weren't pulling out the New Testament and saying, "Look at what we have here." I mean, because it hadn't been written yet. I mean, that this was the New Testament being written by their by their lives and. God chose to confirm it where, because you got to remember in their day, it would be inconceivable to ever imagine Jews and Gentiles worshiping together under one God. I mean, it's inconceivable. Plus, it's mentioned other other tongues. Hang on, let's take a break. There'll be other tongues. That's one of the signs when people are speaking these different languages worldwide, beginning in Acts chapter 2 there. Uh, He said in 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, uh, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and that's mentioned in 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 Mark, if I have the gift of prophecy, can fathom all mysteries, and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. Now, you alluded to the guy was not living right to begin with, and kind of that's the fuel where all this come from. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love's patient. It's kind. Love does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking. Now, these are qualities that are a little more harder to reach. It's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not divide in e- delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and love never fails. But notice he said, but where there are prophecies... And, and this thing is flowing together and the kingdom of God is coming together as a cohesive unit. They will, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. There'll come a time when people who get up and start telling you what's fixed to happen and all that, all we have is what's written. And I think it's been shut down for a while. Where there are tongues, it's mentioned. People having the ability to speak in any language they run up on, the apostles had it when they took off from uh, in Acts chapter two. There'll be subject. There'll be silence, where there is knowledge in a spiritual sense about fathom all mysteries. It'll pass away, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, and it's and it's resting on the love of God and the love of each other, the imperfect disappears. He said, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I talked like a child, I reasoned like a child. I became a man, I put childish ways behind me, claiming you can do this and that and the other. Now we see a pure, poor reflection, but we shall see face to face. I know in part, then I shall know fully, 
even as I am fully known. And this is the, key, the, the point of it all. These three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of those is love. So he's making it far more simple than human beings tend to do with that same material. Well, and that language of, of reflection is, I think, what we've been getting at all along. And, and it keeps coming up, too. I mean, it's we're, we, we tend, as humans, we tend to really get caught up in the reflection of, of God, and we miss God a lot. A guy you know, came we, to me like, and, at 2 o'clock in the morning and with his head in his hands, trembling and shaking. And I said, and, I, and he just had become a Christian the day before. And, and he looked at me and had this terrible grin, uh, facial, uh, I, I, he was in misery. And he said, do you do cast demons out? I said, no, but the one I follow does. <laughs> let, me, let me call. Let me get. Let me call him up. I'm fixing to start pray for her, praying for you, and uh, and we'll see how it goes. I prayed for him, and in about three or four minutes, he quit shaking and all that stuff. He said, "Whoa!" He said, "Where? What? What? What just happened?" I said, "I really don't know, my man, but but who? Whatever it was, you you, you feel better?" He said. He said, "Man," he said. I looked in the mirror. And I saw him. He said, he's not a he, he's an it. That's what he told me. And I'm like, but all I said was, I'll pray to you, my brother. I'll pray to Jesus, the one who saved you, who died for you. And to this day, that's been 10, 15 years ago. He calls me up from time to time, doing well, as far as I can tell. So, Well, there's no there's no doubt <clears throat> when you look at not only in Jesus' time and the the Jewish people around him, that were looking for signs of the Messiah got caught up in the signs and missed Jesus. And then yep. you get in the first century and I'm thinking about Simon, the sorcerer, remember him in acts eight. And you know, he could do a lot of things. He was a magician or whatever oh, you know, yeah. for that era. But, but as soon as he saw true power of these signs, what happened? He wanted some of that for the, for his magic act, not because he wanted to follow Jesus. And so then you look at the, the all the epistles are dealing with the, a lot of issues with how people reacted to the signs. So I think it's fair to say signs had their purpose to try to point people to Jesus, but ultimately they in themselves can become a problem. Yeah, they they, they are pointers. And to reference again what Jace had read, I think he was quoting out of First Corinthians one or, one this morning or two. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but he, but this part here in First Corinthians one. Verse 22 says, uh, for indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we create we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are called both Jews and Greek, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than man. Exactly. Men. And so you, you think about like like. We can. I, I don't necessarily struggle with searching for the signs. I probably more got that that Greco-Roman struggle. I, I search for the intellect in the in the, and I'm looking for the wisdom. So you can see, like humans are going to get off on on one of these two things. It's it's just how we are. Either we want I, I got to have a sign, give me, I, you know, I, I got to see it, and, or man, give me the wisdom. I need I need the the good doctrine, and not and those things are they're not bad. I mean, God use He uses wisdom. He uses intellect. He uses you know, experiences. He has signs in the Bible. For me, I think when I try to interpret this, I think, well, what, like, what is, what's the ultimate problem? It's, it's just the elevation of anything over Christ. And when you elevate something over Christ himself, then that, whatever that thing is, becomes an idol. And the sobering thought of that is that, that even the Bible itself can become an idol. And, and because that's what was happening in, in uh, Matthew, the book of Matthew, when he says you we've mentioned this before, you worship the scriptures, you, you study the scriptures diligently and by them you think you're saved, yet you miss me. So we can even take the thing, even something as as as, as holy as, as the word of God, you could like even that, if we're not careful, can become idolatrous when we elevate these things over the person of God. We cannot we cannot elevate a reflection um, or, or, uh, or even a revelation itself over the God who revealed it, if that makes sense. Hey, let's, uh, 
Let's take our last break. I, I think you're right, Zach, and I think Dad nailed it with First Corinthians thirteen thirteen. The greatest trump over all this is love, and it comes first from the love of Christ. But then that that describes why you can have the most spiritual person around the most ungodly person, but then can somehow commune in a way to find love and both then view each other as brothers or sisters. I mean, think about it. Only the love of Christ could trump out all these different things that you talked about, all the different ways that we miss it. Yeah. If you if you understand who Christ is and his love, then you'll you'll get it with other people. I was going to say love covers a multitude of sins. And so that's why you can see. If you can look at a, 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 a pastor or anybody, for that matter, that has that has flawed theology, which we all do. You know, I don't know where I'm flawed yet, but when I find out that I'm flawed in something, I change it. Right. But I mean, I think I'm right on everything I believe, but I, but I know I'm not right on everything I believe. If that makes Jace sense. Has, uh, Jace probably has a few ideas. Well, I can give you a couple well, of couple things. Where, <laughs> no. That's not. That's <laughs> not, that's not <laughs> but you're you're <laughs> making a good point because what my point was about telling that story is that guy because I met with him and and granted we were headed down a road that I knew he wasn't going to drink that poison. By the way, how did that all finally turn out? Or could you? He left and eventually said, he, no, I will say this. He eventually said, you have my blessing to, to go there after our debate. So, okay, thank you. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm glad he didn't drink the poison. But I, I only told that story because a lot of people who pursue miracle or, or, or they elevate miracles above Jesus in their focus they all do not believe Matthew 16, 9 through uh, 20 should be in the Bible because they don't like those. You know, have you ever been to an assembly where the miracle they were doing that day was drinking deadly poison? No. Because guess why? You'd be hauling them out, out of that. You, then you'd have to have another miracle to raise them from the dead. So I just think that that's weird that which is why people they don't they don't like that. Now you do have the snake ones, but I mean I I just clearly think here here's what I think. I mean I think we should say what we think. I I think yeah, that I they they came under so much persecution at, at, from here forward for declaring Jesus, which ultimately led all but John to the, to a martyr's death. Yeah, many, I think, of, many of them were killed. Because back then, I think they were po- they tried to poison them to get rid of them. And they, you know, they sent them a box or, you know, the equivalent. You've seen movies, but they open it up and there's, boom, snake bites you. I just think that God was not allowing that to happen because of his plan and using them as being apostles to get the message out as eyewitnesses. And so I think that's why this reference is here. I, I think there were various attempts put on their life by various people, because that's how you get rid of people. Even today, that's, people are doing the same. They're putting out hits on people. Yep. And the easiest one to pull off is poison in a drink. I mean, when's yeah. the last time you saw a movie that had that as an aspect? Probably one yeah. of the th- last three movies you watch, you know? Yep. Well, especially in this era, that was that was definitely a way that people knocked each other. I think you're onto it, James. My theory is is that someone, and it, and it may have been Mark even because he was young, because uh, we know that most of his reference was from Peter's perspective. But I think he. This looks like to me the end of this text is added in by a lot of the stuff that had happened, yeah. both at the ascension, also early in the church. And so when you read that list, since everything else we read about except for that one, I think that happened, and Mark knew about it, or whoever added this uh, to the end of Mark. And so they're just giving you a little bit of picture of what happens. That's why at the end it does seem so conclusionary to say they went out, they preached, and the Lord worked with them, confirmed the word by the sign. So he's saying, look, this has all happened, and and we know this, and so you can trust this. So that that's my theory uh, about this text itself is that it's just a little bit of an addendum yeah. as to what happened those and no, couple of none decades. None of what's after. here bothers me. Uh, to me, it doesn't because a lot of people they, you know, they, they don't like that there's some drama here. Oh, is this really supposed to be in the Bible or not? 
none of this violates any major principle of anything we believe at all. No. So if you've made a principle out of these, uh, as Zach referred to it, which I thought was good, the reflections, the things that pointed to Jesus, well, that's on you. Well, and, you, and you, even when you think about the one about the snake, Jace, you know, and at the end of Acts, whenever Paul is shipwrecked, he's not really trying to prove anything. He's just picking up some wood and a well, snake happened right. to be in there. Yeah. And it bites him on the hand. And so all the people on the island step back and they think, oh, boy, this guy's supposed to die in about five minutes. And he doesn't. I mean, look, I, I have numerous, numerous near-death experiences with snakes in my life because we, you know, Phil and Kay decided to move into a place where there's more cottonmouth moccasins per landmass than most places. Yep. And I spent a lot of time in the woods. Now, I could go around and say, hey, I've had 10 miracles done because I should have theoretically been bitten, and I wasn't. I've never been bitten confirmed by a deadly snake. I did get bitten once, but I, I, did, I never saw the snake. He bit me as I was going through the thicket, and I didn't die. So I assumed it wasn't a poisonous it snake. Your, the heat, so he got into your skin? The things went yeah, it got in my skin. I was out in the yard, and, I mean, it was yeah. two little fang marks, and I figured, well, it had to be a poisonous snake, but I wasn't sure. I mean, it might have been a critter that only got me. You know, it may not even been a snake, but, I mean, I felt the sting, and I didn't hang around and inspect, you know. But the other times that, you know, when I had that cotton mouth in my face that time duck hunting, I mean, I'm not sure why he didn't just, you know, you know what I mean? But I let it, he just opened his mouth in my face. I heard, uh, I heard that one. So we I, were in the blind. I made a weird Jace, guttural. Jace, uh, here, here's what it sounded like. So Jace goes out, he's in a P-Rogue, so it's quiet, you know, and he went to get a cripple and he's coming back in and you duck, can hear him kind yeah. of bumping the, yeah. So he's, he's bumping back into the back of the blind well, what he didn't know was there was a cottonmouth laying on that log, and it was right about face high. You know, Dad, you described recently the big cypress logs. Yep. Well, of course, it's gotten a little bit cooler, so that snake probably was a, not quite as quick as normal. But when Jace gets eye level with him, that mouth opens up. Now, we're in the front of the blind, and here's what I hear. I hear, hee <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then it was like 1001, 1002, boom, the shotgun yeah. goes off and Jace comes in the blind with his face is as white as what I imagined the cotton mouth's mouth looked like. And I had, I, mean, what, he I like, had what was left of the snake. Remember I was showing you <laughs> the did. cotton mouth oh, and it wiggled gosh. in my hand while I was showing him. It didn't even have a head and it scared me so bad. Again, I dropped it and shot Shot it into again. <laughs> I was traumatized. But the snake well, my mom got flashed. Bit my mom was bit by a cottonmouth when she was a little girl. I, yes, I heard she that story a thousand times. She swelled up real big. So my point yeah. was, though, she wound up in the hospital I, I could have claimed, you know, I might have just been lucky. I wasn't going around. I'm not claiming, oh, you know, because the Lord was using me, he kept that snake from biting. But look, guess what? I wouldn't doubt it. But the message I'm going to go out there and share with people is Jesus. I'm just saying that I, I've had a lot of close calls, and I was very fortunate, yeah. and I thank the Lord for that. There's a difference in me realizing that it's not my job to go tell snake stories so people will say, oh, there must be a God. God's idea was you go preach the good news, and I know what that is, and I know who that is. It's Jesus and who he is, what he does, what he will do. You know, his, his yeah, how awesome. My, I, I don't have an issue with the miracles. Um, I would not call myself the term is cessationism, which is that these all these miracles cease to exist at the either the coming of the church in Acts or the can or the when they canonize the scripture or something like that. More, I think it's more about the church coming, and um, I don't know if I like. I went, you know, I don't know if I buy that view biblically. Um, it never really, it never really resonated with me. Like I thought, man, that's a great case biblically. So I've always kind of struggled with this question, but I've also like have seen like a lot of 
so-called miracles. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I don't know about all that. And, and so I've kind of sat in that place, but I heard a, a good explanation one time that, that I thought was probably in my opinion, where I stand on it is that if you did a, if you put a timeline of biblical history and you drew it on a board, just the whole timeline and you took a red dot and you just made a, made a mark on the, on the chart, every time a miracle was performed, if you if you go through the whole Bible, what you'd have them, it'd be clustered around major events. Like you'd have a cluster, obviously around creation, crazy stuff was happening. You'd have clusters around some of the prophets in the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, think about you know uh, uh, Elijah and all that. You'd have clusters around the coming of of the Messiah in uh, Jesus. And so there there these uh, these miracles are clustered when God's doing major things. And so I'm open. I'm personally open to God doing miracles today, and I don't know how God's working in parts of the country or other parts of the world. Um, so I don't want to like say, no, nah, that's not happening. I, I'm not. I'm not going to say that. But I'm yeah. also to the point we're making here. I, I, man, I, we've just seen it, the same thing with intellect, by the way, because I, I, I've seen that for sure too. Like we we get so we intellectualize the Bible, and we have all the doctrines down, all the ologies. We got all of our ologies are right, you know, and and all that. But man, we're missing, we're missing who God, the person of who God is. And man, I just think that is a lifelong struggle that I don't think we're ever going to fully get out of. But I think we can have, you know, substantial healing in this as we as we do experience the presence of God. And so that's a good point, Zach. We're out of time. Uh, we'll flesh that a little bit more out in overtime as well as wrap up the study of Mark. We're excited to start a, a new study uh, um, on the next podcast. So we'll see you in overtime. BlazeTV.com slash unashamed if you want to follow us over. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at BlazeTV.com slash unashamed.